0: Well, hello and welcome to Book Talk. People ask me why we run those spots between Sports Lounge and Book Talk, and that is to give ourselves a little <laughs> bit of breathing room for just a few seconds. Producer Perry is with us. We've made uh, Nolan, and I'll make Jenny a co-host Recording in, just, in, progress. in just a moment here. If I ever forget to make you a co-host, and you need to be just let me know, Nolan or Jenny. It's only because I forgot, not because I don't want to do it. It just I forgot. So yeah, That is a good
1: reason, though, Bill, with those spots. If you and I need to go get something to drink or you know, right, whatever, whatever else we right. might need to do.
0: It's there, and we'll turn it over to Nolan while I make Jenny a co-host also. Well, we thought we had Nolan.
2: Uh, give me a second. Yeah, we there have you go. have about 17 tabs open here.
0: Oh, me, no. I know the feeling. I know that,
2: feel, I know that feeling. I'll bet you do. Uh, first of all, my thanks to the DB Review crowd who is here. I see you're represented well and in good number, and it always uplifts me. I. I I know how silly that seems. After all, it's just an email list, for goodness sakes. But I do find myself often going down that list of members, thinking about individuals. Oh, I haven't heard from that one for a while, or that one did a great review two days ago. And... No,
1: Nolan, just in case somebody doesn't know, tell us what the DB review is. That's a list good is. point.
2: Thank you so much. I just assume everything. Um, DB review is a mailing list wherein individuals can... Create and send reviews and they have to be reviews they have to be based on books that are in the National Library Service collection it, I've limited it that to that early on and it just we did a poll once years ago and the members of the list even said keep it limited strictly to the National Library Service so you can't talk about Bookshare or Libby or any of those things in there but it seems like we have enough I mean we've there's well over 300 members and not all of them post uh, otherwise we would be blitzed with emails but um, I started the list in 2008, and uh, I just kind of have loved the project. It, it, it's not always easy. One of the one of the great books that have never been written is how to moderate an email list. Some psychologist <laughs> yeah. would uh, would have a field day with that. But it's but it's always been a rewarding thing, primarily because that particular group is so full of thoughtful people who read, and so they're not inclined to uh, slap around one another or abuse one another verbally it's it's just all about books and uh so it's it, i do literally i literally look at that list and think about people and uh, truthfully pray for a few of them and, and hope they're okay when i haven't heard from them in a while and, and so it, it does have some meaning if you aren't a member and you want to be you can send a blank email to db hyphen review plus sign subscribe at groups.io and uh, then the moderators will take care of it the other moderator is don horn whom I love like a brother and whom I would fail horribly if if he weren't part of this process. So uh, he's played an integral role in it. So uh, either he or I will get you approved as a member, and there's no cost in it. You don't have to post a review. The list is better if you do, but it's not absolutely mandatory. And I know most people love to read but hate to write reviews, so I can relate to that. I understand how that works. So thanks to those of you who are here
0: plug that anytime and just for a personal note Jenny and I as a matter of principle bought Shiri's book from Audible because we feel like writers should be supported and realize how important that is that yeah we can get it from the DB list and there's been times in the past where I couldn't have bought that book but fortunately now's a good time so let's buy it and support
2: our authors that's an excellent idea. That that review is coming up, or that uh, book, Buddy Read, is coming up on July 11th. So, so that's um, brilliant. Um, I don't know, Jenny, what your schedule is. I have a lot of stuff that I can cover. Um, I'm sure you do. So... Well,
3: what, you wanna you wanna go? You can go. I I one thing I kind of wanted to spend a little time talking about that we t- said we were gonna touch on a couple of weeks ago and we didn't was. What makes someone want to actually physically read a book as opposed to having it narrated? What are some of the reasons why you might want to read one?
2: Let's do that. Let's just flip that out. Uh, In another week, a subsequent week from here, I'd like to talk about the value or lack of value of book series. Do you read the series books? Do you hate them? Do you feel bound by them? Do you uh, do you love them because you get to watch characters develop that ought to be a, a, a discussion for another week down the road but uh,
3: that would be a good one too
2: <laughs> yeah so sure let's let's talk about when when do you pick up the print or braille copy of that book or even read it on a braille display if that's what you have as opposed to plugging in the earbuds leaning back and letting somebody do the some of the heavy lifting i maintain that if you're listening to it you're still doing all the heavy lifting because you're imagining yourself there and or you're embracing the, the facts of the nonfiction book, whatever. But yeah, what are your thoughts, listeners? On is there a time when that, that physical book really makes a difference?
3: Well, now, for example, I thought that I would like the, the New York Times Book Review magazine. So I subscribed to it in audio okay. and I downloaded the first edition of it. And I think I made it through the first article when he was listing the the children's books or something and they were with a little summary of them. Mm. I could not stand it. He was reading slow in the first place and I sped it up and that's (laughs) a rarity if I speed it up. (laughs) And he was spelling every author's name. Now I understand that if you're doing audio that you want to have it spelled, but maybe uh, do that at the end of the... If it's a an author who has an unusual spelling to their name or something, but it was part of the article text and i it's not it's no longer on my device. I hate to say i mean i I was actually interested in reading it because the the audio version was newer than the Braille version they had but so I guess that would be one time when I would want to read it myself as when you have a lot of names and things like that, that you want to know the correct spelling of.
1: Let's go to uh, Gregory. He raised his hand. Oh, I need to hit his uh, button over here. So let me
0: ask him to do that. There you go, Greg.
1: Should be good now.
4: There we go. I wanted to say that uh, aside getting into the old audio versus Braille controversy, which we could spend weeks on, uh, having been involved with that with blind teachers and other blind uh, readers, um, I like to read books in Braille because of of what it allows me to, to get out of it in terms of punctuation style, uh, spelling, the awareness of spelling, uh, because in, in today's age of audio reading, and I'm a, I'm a great radio reader, don't get me wrong, <laughs> uh, it is incredible when you read email messages at the spelling, the things that happen, and that's only because our language is such that words aren't spelled like they sound, and, and it's uh, it's just the way it is, and uh, but I, I, I like to read books in Braille uh, for that reason. And because there are some days between the computer and my various devices, uh, mostly the Stratus, uh, there are times when I can't stand to hear one more spoken word. Uh, I I have to go to either music or (laughs) complete silence. Um, But I'm a lover of, of of reading in general, I'm a bookworm. I, admittedly, a, a vowed bookworm. I. It came to me naturally from my paternal and grandmother, was a farmer's wife who was a school teacher and who loved to read more than she loved doing farm work. But who wouldn't? Uh, so uh, that. But I, 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 love to read all the way around, no matter what method it is. And I'm, I'm so blessed to be able to to uh, enjoy audio audio books and to enjoy braille books when I can get my hands on them.
1: Okay, uh, Randy is next. So, Randy, if you want to un- if you want to unmute you, and then Sherry, you're next, and then Kathy, you're up after uh, Sherry. Randy is still muted.
0: She'll get unmuted okay, and stay here.
1: There she is. And, Sherry, you can start unmuting now if you want. Then you're ready to go when she's done. Go ahead, Randy. I couldn't unmute at first.
5: Um, well, this is an interesting discussion. I love to read in just about any format. I like to read. Well, I, I primarily read rail on a rail display now. I rarely will get a braille book because I just don't have the room so I have a whole library on an SD card but I always I like to read braille if I'm just listening to music or um, even if I'm listening to a baseball game I'll pull a book up on the kindle app and read with my braille this way or a Bookshare book sometimes if I can find it like Jenny, I was laughing because you were talking about the magazine. <laughs> I, I actually unsubscribed from an audio magazine because I just could not stand to listen to the reader. And <laughs> I, I really further behind in braille. Okay, I'll I'll read the braille version just so I don't have to listen to that reader. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> but on the other hand, I love audio because I can multitask. If I'm reading an audiobook, I can be on my treadmill, or cooking a meal, or just um, doing just about anything else. And so I love all formats myself. Okay.
1: Thank you. Sherry is up next.
6: Right. Well, I love, I remember growing up and reading braille books, and I remember as a young adult staying up all night with music going and sitting there reading a braille book. I mostly listen to Audible now. And when I do read Braille, it's because the book matters so much to me. Anyone who's known me for half an hour knows that I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Mm -hmm. I have it in every Audible available from Jim Dale, from Eric Sandvold from Bard, Stephen Fry from the UK, but I also have the whole set in Braille. And when Braille and demand came along from NLS, I started ordering books that mattered to me a lot i ordered my favorite fantasy book which is in my top 10 books of all time because i wanted to be able to read all the names and Mm -hmm. i paid somebody to emboss my book very cool and when i got it in the mail. I sat down, and I opened it, right. and I read the title page, Haven by Terry Gomp and I just started crying. Yep. That was my book, and those uh-huh. were my words. Yep. And I had a really visceral reaction to it, good yep. visceral, but different from the reaction I had to either audio version of it, which was wonderful. But seeing it in Braille, and I find that I kind of embrace the book in a different way. I don't mean Haven anymore, but in general, when I read a Braille book, I'm not interpreting it the way the narrator is my mind has gone somewhere else and it's interpreting it in a different way. I'm reading it differently. I'm focusing on different things. I'm hearing the characters beat differently. So it's a really different experience for me. I'd like to fill my house with bookshelves with full of braille books. Yeah. But I do still mostly read audio because as Randy said, I can multitask.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right Kathy, you're next.
7: Hi, everybody. It's Hi. so good to be here. This is my first time being
1: We're glad you're here. On,
7: on this live. Um, I've been trying to get here. Every time I get an email, oh, join us a Tuesday at 5, and I'm like, oh, man, I've got this other thing going. But today, it's all about us.
2: Glad, glad to have you
7: here. Yay! Thank you, Laura. Anyway, um, you know, I don't have a Braille display. I never did. I wish I did. But finance has really just never allowed it. But I'm waiting for that talking book machine that is supposed to have a Braille display in it that the NLS is going to come out with. And the NLS, I,
1: Kathy, the NLS has uh, Braille displays. You could get okay. one of those.
7: I could get a Braille display by just saying I want one?
2: Yeah, I think most
7: libraries are distributing
1: them now. I believe most libraries Pennsylvania do
7: have them. doesn't have them yet.
1: Oh, they don't? Okay.
7: Okay. No, I didn't think so. Sorry. But I know people but from, I would call you know, library real- and get on the list, Kathy. <clears throat> I will. Yeah, I will. Although, right now, I mean, I, I read uh, six or seven books a week usually. and um,
2: Like somebody I know.
7: Uh, yeah, how about it, <laughs> Nolan? You really do uh, come up with a lot of books uh, that you post on. I only post yeah, a couple of times, but oh, yeah. I definitely have met my reading soulmate on DB Review, and I don't know who she is. Her name is Debbie D., and okay. just about everything she recommends I read and love. So
2: <laughs> isn't that great?
7: Yes. And I, I wrote that one time that oh I have met my reading soulmate and you wrote back and said, That's exactly what this list is
2: for. That's what it's for. So yeah. <laughs> yeah.
7: Yeah. But I really love the list. I've gotten so many good reads out of it. And I usually like to read um I like to listen, I suppose you would say, to the, you know, like Ben Kincaid, the four-book series. and Yes. You yes. know, the, the 40, 50-hour books. <laughs> and sometimes mm-hmm. it takes, well, it takes two or three days. Sure. But, hey, you know, but I can be cleaning my house, uh, mopping my floors, making a good dinner, reading my heart out. Mm-hmm. So, but I know that I will read if I if I get the braille display mm-hmm. thing from the Library of Congress because I love reading braille. Although I'm not crazy about UEB,
6: right.
7: I can read it. But that's a whole I'm like, different discussion. Yeah. We yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's I a, won't we-
1: that surprises me though that you guys don't have them. I I was only lasted about everything, and we.
2: I'm not, not sure for quite I can get one here in Ohio yet either.
7: Huh. They can get them. Wow. They they have them several states. I know a friend in Georgia who has one.
2: Yeah. Most, I don't, I don't
7: know what what them. is wrong, but Pennsylvania doesn't have them. Well, of course we were we one were... of the
1: we were one of the states Iowa was the beta tested them, so I there you go. I, oh. I played in that, so maybe that's how yeah. we got up so fast. Um Pierre is also with us. Hey Pierre.
8: Yay, hey, what's up? Thank you uh, everybody. Yeah, we we've, we've been having our our uh, e reader for about over two years. So it's they've been out quite a while. But uh, as far as your question, I only read uh uh, audio, But uh, what I want to talk about was a new series that I found this week, and it's called Strike Force. And it's by a guy by the name of Jason Casper, and uh, Casper is with a K. Okay. And uh, it's about a secret CIA group that goes into foreign countries and kills people that the right. United States government doesn't want, but nobody knows about them. And it's, it's about all the adventures that they go through, uh, uh, you know, uh, trying to trying to save some people's lives and trying to get rid of other people. So it's a, it's a good series. I read all three Sound of like them. It's right
2: up my alley. Yeah. Uh, I love the Jack Carr books. I know a lot of people don't. I do, um, yeah. Uh, I really enjoy those books.
8: Right. So, yeah. And the Jonathan Quinn. Have you read yes, any? Yes, I
2: have. Those are excellent, too.
8: Great books.
2: All right. Thank you very much. Uh,
1: Connie is, uh, wants to come come in and talk. So Connie, go ahead and unmute. Should be able to hit your unmute.
5: Hello. There Um, she is. I was going to say, it depends on what I'm doing. Um, I just got the Braille display, so I am really interested in reading it, reading with it and playing with it, but, um, it can go either way, read audio or Braille, depending on what I'm doing.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's a sub-question, if that's legal. Um, Are there books that you read in Braille because of the the subject matter or format of the book? So if it's me and I want to look at some old, heaven help me, Robert Burns poems, that's going to be hard for me in audio because of the accents and the weird phrasings and the weird Scottish weirdness. And yet if I take that same old Robert Burns poem in Braille, I might actually have more success with it. Has anyone else experienced that, where they would prefer the audio most of the time, but once in a while you just got to have that braille because, it, it, yeah.
5: I have to have. I like braille because my comprehension is better in braille, and if it's mm-hmm. something that I really want to grasp, yeah. I mean, if it's not like a oh. If it's something that I really want to comprehend and learn about, then I will read
7: it in
2: Braille. Okay. Thank you for that. I think uh-huh. Don, are you up next? Yep. He is. <clears throat> okay.
9: It's an interesting question. When I read books for work, particularly for work, um, I do a lot of career development with my clients and I've actually been doing more and more and more of it over the last five or six years. Cause what I discovered is that it's a part of rehabilitation that's ignored. Um, and so I've been doing a lot of reading in, in that field, and I really like to read those in Braille, because I frequently will stop and take notes. Now, I could do that while I'm listening, but I lose the focus of the book. Also, I may want to take notes with spelling, um, authors' names, or websites. It's just much easier to take it down accurately. Um, I also, I have a, a very, very close friend. None of his books are available on Bookshare, which I don't understand, but is the poet. And when I say he's a poet, he is a a recognized poet that was listed, his work was listed in the end of the year for the New York Times. It was either last year or the year before. So... I'm, what I'm saying is, it's not like a hobby for him; it's his work. Um, he writes wonderful poetry, but it's a lot of work to read. And when he sends me uh, like some of the magazines where there's a link, I'm really happy that I can read it in braille because I need to read it slowly, and I need to look at the punctuation, and I need to look at sometimes even the spelling because he does a lot of. Um, some of his work is um, deals with with things that are that are around Ireland and and things of that sort. The other thing is though, I'm reading a fiction book now. It has been a very long time since I've read a fiction in braille. I don't know why, I just haven't. I think it's so easy to get it on audio and it quicker and this, that, and the other. But I'm reading a book on Bookshare and I decided to read it in braille. And I'm so glad I did because so many of the little details are are more cemented in my brain. And we're gonna do a, 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 book, a book discussion of it. So I'm really, really glad to be reading it in Braille. I also found that I was able to read certain parts of it because it needs a little editing. And I was able to read certain parts of it much more quickly and then slow down at parts that I'm like, wait a minute, this is the part that's important story. And I've really been thrilled to be reading it in Braille. And I'm intending to do more of it. I will not give up the audio, but I think that there are times when it really it's a different experience. It really is.
2: Excellent. Thank you.
9: Yeah. We about
0: ready for some book reviews,
2: Nolan? Oh. Well, not yet. We, we haven't read yet. yet. Oh, and okay, I'm Ill. sorry. Oh, yeah. We don't want to leave him out of this.
10: Hi, this is Gil from St. Louis. And uh, unfortunately, I was on a phone call mid the first part of the show. But I... Uh, I think I picked up enough that I learned Braille as an adult because uh, I had p- partial sight as a child, and uh, in my school, when they'd want each Braille, we had partial sight, so um, I have used Braille to keep my Braille. I learned it as an adult. and did not want to lose, so I make sure I read some Braille every day, and uh, I don't read very fast, but... Uh, for a long time, I did like day devotion, something like that keep up my braille. And then I decided, well, I want some books, and uh, so I uh, started reading books. Even though it took me a long time to read a book, uh, I I still did it that way. And then when the NLS came out with this braille on demand, the program, I started uh, getting books. And I've noticed that my braille reading speed has speeded up a lot reading those books. And uh, I, uh, but I've been reading. Familiar things. I, I'm in process of rereading, well, I reread The Hobbit and uh, rereading The Lord of the Rings. Uh, I read Chris Carroll, Chris Time and yeah. Skip and Chris Christmas Time. Books that I've read before, i uh, for rereading, and it's helping me speed up my Braille. And, so, uh, and I plan to read a Connecticut Yankee Arts Court for a book club coming up here. So anyway, I, um, I, I, I intentionally read Braille because I don't want to
2: forget how to read. But I prefer audio That's part. Excellent. Thank you for that.
1: Real quick, Nolan, what sure. is <clears throat> I have not heard of this. What is NL what is uh, Braille on Demand?
2: So that's a good question. Um and probably there are people on, on here who are better qualified to answer it. Let me take a short a stab at it at least and then they can correct my error. <laughs> Braille on Demand is a program that NLS now offers wherein you go to its website and you fill out the form which includes what book do you want and you know, the title and the, the, the and, of course, the book has to be available at NLS. They're not going to go out and just and get a Kindle book and then turn it into Braille for you. It has to already exist as part of the collection. And when you complete the form, oh, a week or so later or if that, um, the little box arrives with your Braille book in it that you ordered and you get to keep it. It's it, That's just yours. Um, I've, I've done some of that. I ordered a Christmas carol that way, and I ordered a copy of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. Um, Cause it just I don't know I just feel like the world changes in so many weird ways I just want a hard copy braille version of those. <laughs> and you do and you do it just through your local library? Well, I did it through the NLS website, okay. uh, loc.gov or whatever. Yeah, that. there's a form. Yes, there. Thank you. There's a form you have to fill out, um, and again, it just asks you the title and if, if you. It's, I think it helps if you have an order number for the braille book. I don't know that I can't remember whether that's required but I don't be. know,
9: but don't, what I, I'm sorry. You, um, go ahead. you can do up to five books a month. Now. I think that they have to be up like on Bard because I think they have to be digitally available. Mm-hmm. So if they're in the collection, but they're not, there's some way there, there are books apparently that are in the collection, but aren't eligible for it. I think, yeah. and I think the way you figure that out is you check Bard.
2: right? Yeah, that's I think you're correct. They have to be up on that the actual site. And uh if they're and there I, you can
9: And I remember they
3: said you had to get the whole book you can't ask for. Volume right. one or two. That's of right. It.
2: That's right. You gotta take it complete all. Book. Yep. All or nothing. Yep.
9: And they that's come funny. with soft covers. They're you're not gonna get it a hardcover book.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
9: They're they're soft cover and they're bound. I mean they're fine, but I have a client that really was, was complaining that she wanted it hardcover. And I said, well, how would they afford that really?
2: Yeah, they really can't afford that. That's yeah. Good. Any other questions about that stuff?
9: I think
1: you answered that one. <laughs> All <right.
2: laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we have 29 minutes or so. Um, yeah, are we up for a few books? Sure. All right. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first?
3: Well, I, I can, well, I guess I can, um, uh... Do this one that I just finished. I wrote about it on DB review. So that's I guess okay. maybe I
2: go ahead. Cause it's it, yeah, a lot a of repeat who,
3: for people that read. That's
2: okay. Yeah. Mine are too. All of mine today are going to be repeat for those people. And I apologize to them, but we got to remember this podcast is potentially listened to by who knows how many people <laughs> who are part of that list. So I say, go ahead with it.
3: Well, I just finished the sixth man, which is the fifth, book in the King and Maxwell series by David Baldacci. And in this book, there is a... Oh, Edgar Roy is in prison, supposedly, for killing six people. But you find out as you go through the book that he was part of a government program. He's basically a mental genius. He has... oh. Probably photographic memory and then some because not only they they feed him all of this data through this thing they call the wall and and he analyzes all this data with all this information from all of the defense organizations throughout the country and helps them determine what their next strategic thing should be to defend the country and he's in he's in prison and accused of these murders and the the defense attorney is an old friend of Sean King's and he goes it was his law professor and he gets him and Sean King and Michelle get called in to help him find information to defend this this Edgar Roy because he won't talk to him and when they go to this out-of-the-way place in Maine to meet the professor, they find him dead in his car. And so it's the book is this is them figuring out who killed this man, who hired him to defend Roy, and what's what's really going on. And it was it was really, of course, David Baldacci. I don't think I've ever read a bad David Baldacci book, but it was good. I I've liked every one of those
2: in that series i agree with you i just i don't know if he knows how to write a bad one there are people who say he does <laughs> i'm just not one of those people so yeah that's that's that sounds like a great book um, oh
3: it is is. Um, and it's it's one of those you don't have to read that series in mm-hmm, order but mm-hmm. you get some benefits if you do because because of the characters of of sean king and and michelle maxwell and they just keep they just go back and forth and it's like you you're rooting for them. You want them to admit they're in love with each other and get with Exactly. <laughs> <back>. <laughs>
2: yes. All that romantic tension builds and builds. Yeah, that's fun. All uh, right. Well, this is gonna be a a hard left turn, I guess. Or so some directional turn. It's not uh it's not David Baldacci. And again, she's right. The DB review list members, I apologize to you because you've heard or seen this stuff. But again, we, we don't know where this podcast goes. So um, it's good to take it wherever it is. Uh, I got the urge a few Saturdays ago to read a middle grade book. And I get that most of us listening today are probably feeling I'm too old for that stuff. I just don't. I, that's ridiculous. Nobody reads that stuff. I have grandchildren in that range, age range. And so I'm always looking out for areas where we have things in common and because of the geographic distances between me and all of them the need to find a connection is crucial and so with that in mind i will sometimes browse around in the middle grade books just to see and ask them via text message what do you think of this uh, author or have you read this book and uh, oh gosh they've they've pointed me in some wonderful directions this one is just one i found from another podcast but I want to talk about it. It's delightfully fun. It's called Brightstorm, A Sky Ship Adventure, Brightstorm number one. This is the first book in what is so far a two book series. The author is Vashti Hardy. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing her first name. It's V A S H T I Hardy, H A R D Y. I got that one right at least. The order number, if you are eligible to borrow books from the National Library Service, is DB 100563. Once again, DB100563. Here's the setup. Maddie and Oliver are a set of twins. They live with their dad, who is an explorer in the world they inhabit. Their world is a bit different from ours. It's a bit of a science fiction-y steampunk kind of world, so things are differently operated. In fact, all of their vehicles run on pitch and uh things of that nature so it's a it's a bit of a different world from the one we live in obviously they're young people probably 11 or 12 i I think they're 12 as this book begins their mom was an engineer and sadly she passed away before the book begins and so you have this circumstance where this set of twins lives with the dad whom they love and with whom they're very close he is a great explorer he is is held in high renown in his country as someone who has been to far-flung places and brought back the most interesting photographs, et cetera. On one occasion, dad never comes home from an expedition. And furthermore, to make things worse, a group of other explorers uh, insist on a review board that looks at their expeditions. And so this group of explorers, in other words, accuses the dad of stealing fuel. Now, Maudie and Arthur, the little boy and girl twins, realize their dad would never do that stuff. That's ridiculous. And they are ultimately evicted from the house because dad is stripped of his honors as an explorer of that nation, etc. And um, it's a bit like Sarah Crew, If you read the, that book when you were a kid, the, the Francis Hodgson Burnett, I think, wrote that, if I'm not mistaken. And one day you're a princess, and the next day you're, uh, you're in the slums and whatever. Maudie and Arthur wind up working for a hateful childless couple. They realize the only way to solve their problem is to somehow clear Dad's name, and that means finding a skyship because you don't get to those far-flung places. Normally, you have to take some sort of ship that floats on wind and is like a giant balloon and uh, flies using pitch. They find a young woman in her 20s named Harriet Culpepper, who has built her house in such a way that when she pushes a few switches and buttons in the house, it transforms itself on various hinges and so on, and it has the ability to become a skyship. And Harriet's ship is powered by water, not by the usual means of a fueling thing. So her ship is going to get a lot farther than any other explorer. Now, there are villains here and people who try to prevent Harriet and the two twins from achieving their goals. Suffice it to say that they discover... Some interesting things when they get to the last place where their dad was seen alive. And I won't go beyond that. That ventures into spoiler territory. What I would tell you is this is a cute book. It's not nearly as engaging as the uh, other middle grade books I've read and talked about here. Um, Morrigan Crow is the name of the character in those books. That's some of the best middle grade fiction I've ever read in my life, and it's gonna be hard to beat that one. but this is this is good stuff and it'll enge- keep you engaged and make you smile in in a good way on an afternoon or evening. again, it's called brights um sorry Bright Storm, a sky ship adventure and it's on bard at db There zero five six three there is a second book but bard does not have it so sounds like a good book it's fun yeah it's a lot of fun and the twins are good people and fun little people and there's no profanity and no no uh, sexual stuff in it it's just it's just a good fun light read and again if you have nieces nephews or grandchildren in that in that range that's just one way possibly to connect so
3: so bill will put you on the spot you said you had a review today
0: well, I don't quite have it prepared yet, but it's a new series I just started reading, and I like legal thrillers. But it's not often now I come into new writers, and I found this one on Audible somehow. It came up in my path. Well, oh, that's all I got to do is start doing a review. <laughs> 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 a good thing you don't take this personal. Don't take right. it personal. You yeah. never know, <laughs> right? <laughs> no. Um, anyway, I don't blame it. But
2: is for the rest, yeah. the benefit of other listeners, we just got noticed that someone left the meeting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So we're 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 making a joke at my expense, right, like right. hey, you know, just because I start talking. Anyway, this, this new author I found on Audible. And his name is Michael Stag. And it's I've just started it but it's a legal thriller and now my internet connection is unstable. So let's just talk here for a minute and hopefully the ship will write itself. But Michael Stagg, he writes um and it it's a legal thriller and my name is just escaping me here for just Uh, a second here while we come back. Jennifer, are you still on here? Yeah. Okay. Yep, we're all still here. Um, Pete Shepard, that's the name of the attorney who is struggling, and this first novel, the scene is a city in northwestern Ohio on the Ohio-Michigan border a made up mythical city, and he's trying a murder case. He got called in as co-counsel and then the main attorney passed away and Pete is called on to strut his stuff. And he does that, but it's done with a lot of family values and um, I I think you'll like the setting and how, you know, you can read the John Grisham books and they're wonderful, but this is a pretty good series, so I urge you. And next week, I'll come back with all the titles. I really had set it aside and wasn't really prepared to talk in this, you know, in depth about this book. But I, it's a six book series, and I should be finished by next week. But Fantastic. it is a great series, and if you're into Audible reading, and it's the first one you get. You don't even have to buy it. They give it away for free. So it's a, it's, it's a real good. It's a refreshing read.
2: Very cool. Thank you. So,
0: Nolan, do you, is it Jenny's turn or your turn? I'm not keeping. I'm
2: good either way. I've got another one on deck here. I'm loaded, so. Okay. <laughs> <Either> <laughs> go way. for it.
3: Either way, you want to do it. If you got one ready, you can go.
2: All right. Real quickly, um, I've reviewed this uh, in the pages of Newsreel magazine, but that's been days ago now. It's once in a while um, I get to thinking about my beloved old friend, Jr., who's no longer uh, alive, and I'll pull out a book that he would have enjoyed in, in an effort to kind of just, I don't know, build a bridge uh, to the memory, if you will. And this is one of those kind of books. It's called A Decade of Fan- Fantasy and Science Fiction. Um, it's a compilation of 25 stories. Let me give you the, the data, though, before you. A Decade of Fantasy and Science Fiction. The author, is, the editor is Robert P. Mills. And those are very conventionally spelled, Robert P. Mills. The order number, if you are eligible to borrow books from the National Library Service, is DB20374. Once again, DB20374. Um, I enjoyed this compilation. Normally, I don't like short stories. That's just me. But I made an exception this time. And uh, I, the only sorrow I felt was that junior wasn't here to talk about this this book with me because he would have had some great insights. Um, this is a compilation of fantasy and science fiction short stories that were published between 1949 and 1959. So a lot of people would say, why do you read stuff like that? It's old and it's stupid and it's discredited and all of that. Actually, those guys get it closer than we give them credit for. For example, in in a story called The Martian Shop by Howard Fast, which was published in 1959, one of the items that was sold is a calculator that responds to the human voice. So here we are 60-some years later, and any one of us can look at our Amazon smart speaker or our Google Home devices and get a response to the human voice out of those devices. So even back in, in 1959, uh, Howard Fast uh, arguably saw the dawning of the uh, the Amazon smart speaker, for example, and so that was kind of a cool, a cool story. Um, Sometimes these guys almost come up with something akin to prophecy when they do these books. It's uh, amazing how close they get. Um, The Martian shop is kind of fun because it's only open for a week, and then it gets raided, and uh, they find some interesting stuff in there that that, that deal with nuclear stuff. Interesting things, a lot of fun. Um, Let's see what else. I won't review every every book with you, every story with you. Um, There's one one story called. walk like a mountain and the author is manly uh, wade uh, again i'm not going to worry about too much manly wade wellman is the author i'm not going to worry too much about the specifics because it's all in that book it's a great story about giants who have to save a village of, of normal size humans and one of the ways that he does that is by moving some rocks in a waterfall so that the water doesn't cascade down and destroy the the village but uh he's up against some opposition because another giant has kidnapped a relatively statuesque uh, tall normal human female and uh, he figures if he can destroy her village she will soon give up on ever wanting to go back and so the uh this guy whose name is uh is um what's his name who cares he's a giant and his name is john and he he has to go in and prevent this annihilation of this human village it's a fun story um There are other ones here. One is a takeoff on, um, on the Faust story. So the guy wants to sell his soul. But he doesn't sell it to the devil. He sells it to an attorney, and in, in this story, <laughs> Satan is an attorney. So, well, most of some people might say they're <laughs> kind of similar. <laughs> it tickled me. I won't lie. So, yeah. It, again, it's a it's a twenty five short stories. Not all of them are good. It's a bit uneven. But again, it's called a decade of fantasy and science fiction by Robert P. Mills as the the editor. DB two zero three seven four.
3: Very very good.
0: Just an apology to some of our listeners. It feels like we've experienced some technical issues that may be out of our control on a network level. So if you miss anything, you can catch it on the podcast.
1: One part of the problem, Bill, might be, and I just got a notification on my phone, is Amazon is having an outage. So if you listen on your uh, smart speaker you may be having an issue with that okay
0: good old technology Josh. Oh, oh, that, that i thought it was something we said but no we're not that smart <laughs> it's nothing we said go ahead jennifer
3: just real quick i maybe will do this one cuz i um and i don't know why what was part of what possessed me i guess to even think about reading this book was um, several years ago, the the two women that were, well, they were young, fairly young girls then. Back when the Charles Manson commit was involved in all of that, they were. Um, oh, a few years ago, they were they were paroled. They'd served their prison terms and they got out on parole. And they had them on TV, and they were talking about how remorseful they were and everything. And so I went and got this book. It was called um, Helter Skelter, The True Story of the Manson Murders. And it's by the prosecutor, Vincent Bugliosi. Yeah, that's a great old
2: classic. Yeah, it is. Wow.
3: And he goes into a lot of detail about the, the, the scenes of the murders. And he goes into good detail about the the mess ups that the LAPD made in the crime scenes. And it was, I, I was, maybe you're not supposed to be, but I was fascinated by this book because I was so young when yes. all of that happened. Yeah. And I, it just amazed me that somebody could convince people to do, to go around and kill other people like that. And, and that he really had such a cult following and, and, and I know uh, you would see sometimes the news stations later on, even while he was in prison would when he was up for parole sometimes one time they talked to him, and he still thought he was Jesus and all kinds of crazy things, and they asked him, you know if he had any remorse for anything, and he said he if he got out he would he would do the same thing over again, so you know that's why he never got paroled but but i um, it was it was really. I learned a lot and I, I guess you can't say it was fascinating, but it was a good book. And yeah,
2: I was just a kid. I, I it's amazing that summer you had the, if I'm not mistaken, was that not the summer of '69?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You had the Robert, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Teddy Kennedy experience at Chappaquiddick. <laughs> at the same time, we had, we had guys on the moon just about at the same time, not quite, but close. And then you have this happen, I think in August of that year. And uh gosh, I'm an 11 year old kid, so I don't have memories much of that instant. I've not read that book, but I need to because it it sounds like a, a great book. So,
3: well, it, it really was a good book. And yeah. um, but, like I say, I was I was young enough, and I remember they made a, a TV series uh-huh. of it because I remember like people watching it for oh several nights, and
1: we have. Greg, and while you're unmuting, Greg, I remember Geraldo did an interview with him, Yeah, and uh, yeah, he was no, he was not any remorse at all, but if you don't like, I have read the book, if you don't like uh, a lot of detail, that might not be the book for you.
4: Okay, I uh, was a junior in high school in 1969, and uh, uh, I'll tell you, in a really strange, awful way, the Manson murders save teddy kennedy because it took him right off of the the national spotlight that's Uh, a
2: brilliant observation sorry go ahead
4: no that's okay and uh it it really and and that and helder skelter was one of the strangest books you'll ever read because it just makes you want to either take a shower or hide in your closet or something (laughs) because you just can't believe that people can influence other people in those awful Uh, ways. And uh, there's a a lawyer in there that (laughs) some of his questioning in court was was just astounding. So uh, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful book in its genre to read. Thank you. Very cool. Thank you.
1: Sherry is next.
6: Okay. um, I was just going to say there's an updated version of Helter Skelter on Audible. Oh, interesting. Vincent Beliossi updated it a few years ago and talked more about what happened afterward. There were actually more crimes committed by the Manson family yeah. after the conviction.
1: Sure. Look um, at squeaky from. And, and, yeah. Family Sorry. is a very, and family is a very yeah. loose
6: term. <laughs> I was mentally thinking of that in quotes, but, um, yeah. and what well, was I was going to say about that just kind of went right out of my head. But um and it's read by Scott Brick on Audible, if I remember nice, right. If nice. I were to have a favorite true crime book, which is a weird concept, that's probably it.
2: Interesting. All right. Um, All right. I was
6: also gonna say, no one, do you ever read Kindle books?
2: Not very often, no. Okay. Cause Sorry.
6: if I wanted to tell you about my absolute favorite young adult or middle grade as you call it, which is what she calls it mm-hmm. series. But only the first three books are on Audible. She lost touch with her reader and her agent and everything during the pandemic. Wow. And so only the first three books are on Audible. But if you ever want to read with Kindle, read The Gateway Chronicles by K.B. Hoyle. It's six books. book. Okay. I love them as much as I love Harry Potter.
2: Wow. You see, that's how I feel about that Morrigan Crow series by a woman whose name I will not remember right now. She's in Scotland and... <laughs> That is the most magical middle grade m- stuff I've read in my life. I just, uh, I'll, I'll check those six out. Thank you. That's a good recommendation. I have three minutes. You want me to give it a, quick, a quickie? Sure. All right. Super quick review. This is Kate White, who used to work in the magazine publishing industry and therefore has some pretty resoundingly solid knowledge of what she speaks. Not sure whether Kate White has done television, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, she understands the toxicity and sleaziness in that in that industry, and if you listen to someone like Megan Kelly, who is now on her own and doing her own thing, she can tell you about the yuckiness that that goes on that went on in her world at, when she was at Fox News and again at NBC a few years later. And she doesn't spare any any punches talking about how decadent and disgusting that that television show morning or nighttime show universe can get. In any case, this is along those lines. It's called Eyes on You, a novel of suspense. This is not a series. Kate White does another series about a, a character named Bailey Wiggins or Weggins or something. We can get into that some other week. Uh, sorry, my machine's acting stupid here. Um, very quickly, this is the story. The uh, The order number is DB80086. This is the story of a young woman named Robin Trainer. Robin is the host of of a night of a evening news type show kind of a magazine show thing with a a a male anchor as her co-host she's at the top of her game she starts getting notes and uh sorry about that clock she she is receiving threatening material from someone in her office and uh on one occasion she gets a doll whose eyes have been cut out and the doll is uh, uh, made to look like robin and the, the notes and the threats escalate and escalate until at some point her life is in serious danger. This is not the best thriller you're ever going to read, but it's uh, it's good. It'll keep you engaged. And again, it's called Eyes on You, a novel of suspense, DB80086. And that wraps me up just in time, too.
0: Yeah, we thank everyone. Thank you, Perry. Thanks everyone for participating. And we'll be back next week. Maybe the whole show, no technical <laughs> issue. Maybe.